0: Good teacher, what must I do? In the gospel today, we're focused a little more specifically on Jesus' encounter with the young rich man. And the young rich man who came was a generally good man. He was a man of faith, a man who kept the commandments. He was, or would have been a righteous man, and he was good, and he was very eager. Only being good isn't the only measure for following Jesus. Sometimes it's not enough. Maybe it's the first step. And that's what I'd like to focus on a little bit more specifically Because Jesus is about to tell him that following me requires more than being good. You have to have a readiness and availability to follow me in the way that I'm asking. And yes, there are things that can get in the way of us following Jesus, things that hold us back, things we're too attached from. And that's what Jesus is focusing on. It's not just about being good. There has to be this readiness and availability to follow the Lord wherever he leads for our particular calling. And that was the case, and sometimes it's important reality that every one of us can have different more or less readiness and availability or less readiness or availability. And this is something that kept him back from following Jesus in the way that Jesus was inviting him to follow him. It's interesting, basically, uh, the, the spiritual concept is this: is practicing detachment, detachment from things Jesus is asking us to let go, or at least to be free, to be free available. If he asks us to let it go, would we let it go if Jesus asked us? To be willing to let things go, to be that kind of free, and certainly he was asking that of the young rich man. Notice how it describes, uh, when he talks to the young rich man, it says, Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. This was a good man, and this is what he said to the young rich man. You are lacking one thing. Go, sell all you own and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Was it Jesus was able to see in his heart that he was so attached to his material things, his wealth, his riches, maybe even his home or property, something that would ultimately hold him back? And Jesus saw literally how it was like a tether, something that, that bound him, that kept him, that held him back from the way Jesus was following him. I remember prior to seminary, I was meditating on this. I'm like, Jesus, are you asking us to like everyone to give up their property? I mean, this sounds pretty extreme, I remember really grappling with this, and I realized that, I mean, not necessarily in that way, but with the young rich man he was. Remember, a lot of the apostles gave up a lot of things. Peter and Andrew put down their nets. Uh, Matthew left his tax collector booth. People left homes or at least family for a significant amount of times. So sometimes it's a specific calling to particular people. So we may not be called. It doesn't mean we're called to sell our house and empty our bank account for Jesus. It's not a universal call in that way. But it was a call for him. And in a special way, it held him back from following him. You see, sometimes we need to know, remind ourselves that to follow Jesus, we have to have a freedom. The spiritual word is an interior freedom. To go where he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. And sometimes things can get in the way of that. I mean, sometimes following Jesus might, inv- might involve difficulties and hardships. What if God were to ask us, when you follow, will you follow me if it means that you're going to be poor? Will you still follow me? Will that throw you? Some of the saints had that, where literally they'd experience not having anything, taking steps of faith. Mother Teresa Calcutta moved to Calcutta, India. She had no money. Do not worry. I will provide for you. But take the step of faith. Will you follow me if you know it also will come with difficulties and trials? Will you give up then? Or are you too attached to having a comfortable life? What does that sound like? Will you follow me for better, for worse? For richer, for poorer? In sickness and in health? It Reminds me of the unconditional promises of marriage, doesn't it? And that's ultimately what Jesus invites us. This unconditional following for the one who unconditionally gave himself to us. And so if there's anything that gets in the way that we're holding on to tightly, sometimes that can get in the way. The, the image comes to mind. This image comes to mind. you ever had that, like, you know, you ask a child, will you do something? Yeah, I'll do it. And they, like, drag their feet, and they're like, I'm going, I'm helping, I'll do it. Sometimes we do that with God, don't we? Yeah, okay, okay, I'll do it. But we're dragging our feet. And it makes it more miserable. When Jesus says, If I ask something you, will you do it freely and wholeheartedly? And sometimes there's things you have to let go. Let go and let God, if you're familiar with that phrase. So that spiritual detachment, that sense of saying, I'll do whatever you ask. If you're asking me to let it go, I will let it go. Do you know who is the opposite of the young rich man? A man by the name of Giovanni di Berardoni, St. Francis of Assisi. Francesco was his dad's nickname for him, and he's the opposite. Here, Francesco grew, or Giovanni grew up with pretty pretty well-to-do. His dad was a silk dealer and would go back and forth to France. That's where he got the name Frenchie, Francesco, Francesco, because he would get the silks from French and bring it back to Italy and sell them. So Francis had a lot of things, but he didn't find that it satisfied, and he'd always felt this inner restlessness of something's missing. I'm not sure what it is, but I don't know what it is. My life is no longer, riches is not going to, it's not going to be about riches. It's not going to be about fame. Those things don't interest to me. And in a certain sense, he fell in love with Jesus and realized the true treasure of his heart that changed everything. And he felt the sense of, go and literally sell all you own and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And Giovanni did that. You know, one of the things that he was attracted to, he found something it's called joy that's different from comfort and pleasure. Comfort has its limits. We could be seeking after comfortable things all our life. Pleasures, you know, whether it's food or drink or, or any kind of pleasure, right? It can be good in and of itself, but then it, it's over. But joy, joy both fills and overflows. And joy comes from a relationship with God, a deep and abiding relationship with God. So much so that Francis was like, yeah, I'll give up everything for God and others in a radical way. And he lived this very radical, like, he looked like a crazy man in his time. They were like, what is he doing? I feel like this is what the Lord's calling me, to love God erratically, to have nothing, to have nothing to show that even if you have nothing, you have everything, the ultimate treasure of Jesus Christ. And this one who looked like a madman, people were so moved by him, they were like, he owns nothing, he has nothing. But he has everything. And he has the love of God. Who would do things like that? Love does that. Love does that. When you know the ultimate treasure of something that's worth selling everything for, love does that. You know the image in the scripture it used of like a buried treasure. And that's the the example ultimately of God and of faith and of following him. It's like buried treasure. On a natural level, you might not see it. Oh, that's just a regular piece of property. But if you know the gift of faith... It happens within, from a relationship with God. And you know how priceless it was? Francis was willing to sell everything for it. Yeah. And to be so filled with joy. People were so inspired with him because he knew where the true treasure lies. And he found a deep and abiding joy that can't be satisfied with a comfortable existence or a life full of pleasures or just in your passions. When you encounter it, it changes you. And that's what happened to Francis of Assisi. Some years ago, I was in, uh, when I was first ordained a priest, right before I started my first assignment as a priest, my uncle lives down in Miami, Florida. And I was down there, and I was gonna, just going to concelebrate Mass. I was like a brand new priest, and they are like, you want to celebrate concelebrate Mass? Why don't you take the Mass and preach? And I was like, no, I'm a new priest. I don't think, they're like, uh, to preach tomorrow, like, I don't know if I could get a homily prepared together. And the long and the short of it is, I was like, well, give me a couple hours, and maybe if I can put together a homily, I'll be open to celebrate in Mass. And it was the story of the young rich man. And I was reminded of the story of Rich Mullins. Some of you might have heard of Rich Mullins. He was a Christian singer, kind of in the time. This would have been his famous song. One of his famous songs was, Our God is an Awesome God. You remember that song, Our God is an Awesome God, and he was this kind of t-shirt and blue jeans, evangelical Protestant Christian. But he was inspired by the life of Francis of Assisi. So as an evangelical Protestant, he started this little group called the Little Brothers of St. Frank. And he decided, people found out later, he lived on an Indian reservation. He lived with the poor and among the poor, and frankly, he lived poor. He decided he was going to take a common man's salary and give the rest of the money to the church and to the poor. He lived this radical poverty, and in a certain sense, I was telling about like here was a modern day kind of a person who says, "Give up all you own and follow me." And he could do. He didn't have a family. He was a single man, and he felt God was calling him to live this very radical uh, and beautiful life. Well, the story goes that uh, he actually was so moved by Francis of Assisi, he was going through RCIA to become Catholic. And while he was a going to RCI Catholic, the week before he became Catholic, he was in a major car accident. His Jeep turned over, and he had actually had passed away. It was interesting, because after telling the story, like a few weeks later, I got a phone call at my parish. They're like, Father, are you, the, are you the priest that preached the homily down there? I was like, yes. Thank you for sharing that story, because I was driving where that accident was. And I'd heard Rich Mullins had passed away. And I never knew he was about to become Catholic. A modern-day young rich man who found the treasure of Jesus that was worth selling everything for. You see, when we meet Jesus in a full and deeper way, we're willing to do a little bit. uh, We're willing to open to to live and see our life in different ways, just like Rich Mullins. There's a whole new way. There's, if I had to say, there's three concrete effects. There's at least three concrete ways we start to look at things. One is we start to look at things a lot differently. It's less and less about things. It's less and less about things when we truly find the treasure of Jesus Christ. Yeah, things are good, things are important, we need things, but it's less and less about things when we have a real, this real encounter with God, it's more and more about God and the things that matter to God. That's the first concrete way, is like, does that shape our attitude that my life, it's more, it's more about God, less about material things? We need material things, yes, but it's more and more about God and less about things. It's one of the attitudes and concrete things that help shake our life. Second, more and more, each in our own state in life, we're called to practice simplicity, to think about our material things a little bit differently. That's going to look, you can't tell from the outside, it's things that happen within. I know some people on a, on, a, on a practice, on a practical basis, I know some men, what they'll do is they, they, they decided they were going to make changes in their life as opposed to they used to stop by and get coffees at the convenience stores all the time. And they realized, you know what? I don't need to do that. I don't need to spend money. Why don't I use it? Why don't i do just get coffee from home or coffee from work? And that was their little way of practicing simplicity. I don't need a snack. All, you know, when I'm always driving, why not buy something ahead of time? It's a way of practicing simplicity. There was a very wealthy woman with Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and she was very wealthy. And in India, they wear these saris, right? There's, there's uh, special garments. And she was like, when the average sari probably cost about like $25 American dollars, she would buy one that cost $90. She was like, Mother Teresa, I don't think I could ever give up that. I like clothes. I like dressing well. And she wasn't sure what Mother Teresa was going to tell her. But this is what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa didn't say you have to buy poor clothes. Mother Teresa says, why don't you start with, instead of buying a $90 sari, buy one for $65 or $70 and give the rest to the poor. And in a little small ways, it was less about buying the best and the nicest and a little more simplicity in her purchases. And then she gave the money to the poor, especially in in Calcutta. And she came back a few months later. She's like, Mother Teresa, I'm, I'm able to buy like a $40 or $50 sari, and I'm fine with that. Something has changed in my heart because of her love for God. Something changed within that affected concrete purchases. It doesn't mean a person can't go out, but that sense of, how can I practice simplicity? It's not only on the outside does it affect our attitudes. Recently, I, had a, I have a chiropractor who's like, you need to sit in a different car. You're sitting too low in your car, and it's going to be bad for you. And I'm like, I love my car. I don't want to buy it, but I had to buy a new car. And I'm like, oh, like I'd rather just have an old car and just, just let it use forever. But he's like, you have to sit differently. And so, so, so going into it, it's like at least I have to have some attitude. I'll buy a used car. I'll buy this. It's not an old car. It's a nice-looking car. But are things shaping my attitude as a necessity? As this is this what my doctor's asking? And again, these are questions that you should ask. We should ask, like, do we always need to buy something right away? To sometimes curb our desires for things. The sense of, can we curb impulse purchases, especially with bigger purchases? Can we wait a while? Can we do research? Can we find something on sale? All of these things are good ways to practice simplicity. So it's less and less about things, things, things. More and more about an interior freedom. a living in a way of saying material things are good, but they're not everything. Can we practice simplicity and even being content with what we have? Lord, give us that grace. It's one of the attitudes that comes with following Jesus. And finally, to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven of the Lord. More and more we have an attitude where we think not just about things, more and more about God and more and more about others. Do you know one of the marks of holiness in the saints? They more and more think about others. Not just giving money to the poor, just thinking about others, caring for people in need. That's part of of the marks of others. More and more we think about making sacrifices for the poor. More and more like Jesus because Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In the long run, that's the only thing we get to keep in heaven have you ever heard that phrase? I remember, uh, I think it was the head of the FBI, he was a Catholic guy, and he would tell his five sons, they would see a funeral procession go by, and he's like, look son, look sons, there's another hearse without a U-Haul. There's another hearse without a U-Haul, because we can't take it with us. But the only thing we do get to take is the love that we've shown to others. Everything we've given away, will be multiplied ultimately in heaven. That's what it means to have treasure in heaven, to love God, to love our neighbor in concrete ways. Francis of Assisi inspires that we're called to live that each in our own life. But it also, again, also includes spiritual poverty, spiritual detachment. What does that mean? Elizabeth Ann Seton had an experience where she was pretty much in high society in New York City. And Elizabeth Ann Seaton, she was loved by others, she had a wonderful marriage, and her husband got sick, he worked in the shipping industry, and they said, you need to take your husband to Italy, and maybe he can get better in the mountains of Italy. And while she was over there, well, he was sick, so they wouldn't let him in port, and he died in the ship, in her arms. She ended up losing her husband... While she was there, she was moved by the Catholics there and the way they loved her, and they moved by the love for the Eucharist. She ended up converting, but she knew that if I become Catholic, I will lose all my friends. And she did. You wonder if Jesus would have asked her, If you follow me, would you be willing to lose all your friends to follow me? Her answer was yes, because I'm willing to give everything for that, especially for the Eucharist. When she went on, she had a lot of uncertainty. Will you follow me even if it's uncertainty? She didn't know where her money was gonna come from. She went from great wealth to great needing to trust God in everything, really the rest of her life long. She experienced she had loved ones, several of her daughters got sick and passed away during the course of her life. She knew this experience of the heartache of losing children. She knew the experience of life is uncertain, life is difficult, and life in this invitation ultimately was, will you follow me? Will you still follow me and not lose faith even in these difficult times. You see, this life actually was, it was an invitation to be refining her. She becomes this great witness of faith because of all those experienced over and over again, she had to trust God once again today. She had to rely on God once again today. And her life actually becomes this proof of beautiful and abiding faith that she lived out because she was free. It wasn't about having things or material things. It wasn't about having safety nets to follow Jesus. That was his invitation to Elizabeth Ann Seton. She didn't have the comforts of loved ones. She lost her husband early in her 30s. And she lost her daughters, which is uh, some of the greatest heartaches when you lose your children. And yet the mystery was, God was still inviting her, come and follow me, be detached and trust me. This life is short and passing, but he was inviting her. Will you be a great witness of faith especially during these difficult times. My brothers and sisters, in following Jesus, it's not just about being good. It's about being open to following him wherever he leads, in good times and in bad, in sickness and health, for better, for worse. The kind of invitation he is asking us is unconditional. That's not easy, Lord. Give us the grace and unconditional love. But if we do that, if we don't hold on to things so tightly... If we allow ourselves to be free, more and more, it's not just about being good. It's about following him wherever he leads. And he does something beautiful in and of himself, in our lives and in our souls. Do you know who does that? You know what does that? Love is willing to do that. Love is willing to do that. And that's the invitation of love the Lord has for us. Is there anything the Lord's asking you to let go or to stop holding on so tightly? Love does that. Is there anything we're trying to cling on to that may not always be there? Love is willing to do that. And following Jesus is willing to do that too. May the Lord give us the grace to follow him without conditions. To do what he asks of us in the way that he asks for as long as he asks because he asks it. In following Jesus, it's not just about being good. Love does that. Love follows without conditions and freely.